Please be seated. Well, good morning, church. Maybe you're surprised to see me here this morning, but not as surprised as I was on Tuesday when Steve told me I was going to be here this morning. <laughs> so if you're, if you're visiting today, we'd like to welcome you. We're so glad you came. I just can't get over this building that God has given us. It is, it is such a blessing to no longer have to be. Amen. Uh, Thankful, you know, we loaded those trailers for 10 years, and uh, it's just nice to have a home. Uh, before I start with the announcements and such, if you did not bring a Bible, we'd like you to have a Bible, so raise your hand, and, and these folks will come out and hand you a Bible. And if you want to open up, we're going to be uh, the end of John chapter 14. Steve is in Philadelphia. His, one of his younger sisters graduated from law school. And the family went up for that, and this morning he is in CC Philadelphia, listening to Pastor Joe Foch. He called me this morning, make sure I said hello to everybody here from him, and he is praying for all of us. Now, I think many of you know me, for you who are new and don't, my name is Warren McIver. I'm one of the associate pastors. My main ministries here have to do with outreach, uh, reaching out to the community and beyond with the love of God and the gospel of Jesus. And um, I'm involved with the Columbia Children's Church, uh, street outreach, I work with the youth. And another thing I do is I, I put a lot of the announcements and photographs that go up on the Facebook page. And this is a shot I always wanted to get. So, everybody smile, okay? I'm going to have to do three of them to get you all in and maybe Photoshop them together. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so let's start here with John 14, and uh, let's start with prayer. Lord, we're so thankful. We're thankful for just the many blessings that you bring upon us. And Lord, we can also be thankful for the hardships because we know that your hand is in them. We pray, Lord, today, as we talk about your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit will help us, that your Holy Spirit will teach us. Lord, that, that hearts would be touched and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, John 14, we're going to start at 25. And just to kind of put this in context, uh, this is the evening just before Jesus is arrested. He is going to be arrested in just a few hours and crucified the next day. Now, it takes us months to go through these passages, but if you go back to chapter 13, in the beginning of that, that is what we call the Last Supper. And after that, in that, Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and he continues to teach them, and he continues that into this chapter. In fact, after this chapter, we go 15, 16, and 17, which is basically dialogues of Jesus teaching his disciples, and then in 18, we have the arrest. Now, Jesus has told them that he is leaving, and they're very troubled at the beginning of the 
of the chapter, uh, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You know, and, but, but they're troubled. And we know sometimes when, when something is going to come up that we're not sure of, we're troubled. But Jesus is, these disciples are very troubled, and this is part of that teaching that he is giving them at this time. Uh, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said unto you. This word helper, John uses it four times. Your Bible may say comforter. It may say advocate. It, it, is, all these, it is all these things. The Holy Spirit is, is all of these things. And just a picture that I kind of get when I, when I read these verses is of somebody that's walking, they're burdened, their hearts are heavy. You can tell sometimes by the way a person walks. And then you see somebody stronger come along beside them, put their arm around them, hold their hand, and help them. Now, I can't pull that out of the Bible and show you that, but that's kind of the picture I get of the Holy Spirit, how he comforts us, he helps us, he is our advocate. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is all the way through the scriptures. We're not going to cover it all in 40 minutes. So if I leave out something, you know, you just can't fit it all. An infinite being we're talking about here. But he says here that um, about the Holy Spirit as a teacher. Let's look at this other verse. Uh, right, just turn right over to the next page, chapter 16. Verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Then down to 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The last verse in, in chapter 15, probably on the same page. But when the helper comes, once again, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So in these few verses, we see a lot about the Holy Spirit. We see a helper, a comforter, a teacher, bringing all things to our remembrance. And it says he will testify of Jesus. He will glorify Jesus. And he says we will bear witness. So as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, these things should be happening in our lives. We should be glorifying Jesus. We should be bearing witness not us, but the Holy Spirit through us. It reminds me uh, of Acts 1.8. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. He's been with his disciples just before he ascends up to heaven. He says, but you, will see, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit was not given to us for our entertainment or enjoyment. We certainly benefit, 
You know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. But it is given to glorify Jesus, to make us witnesses, to draw us closer to God. So uh, as we look a little closer here, let's look, go back to verse 26 and 14 and talk about the teacher. I think some of us, and some Christians in general, were like the, the little boy who went to bed but fell out of bed. And his mother asked him, well, what happened? Why did you fall out of bed? And he said, well, I, I guess I went to sleep too near where I got in. And I think as Christians, we sometimes do that. Uh, God calls us. We, we turn our hearts and lives over to him. We, we turn away from our sins, and we're wonderfully saved. We're new creatures in Christ. But then we, it's like we get this get-out-of-hell-free card. We stick it in our wallet. And then we go to church and we try to live a little better than everybody else. But, but we stop growing. And that, of course, this is very generally speaking here. So not only is the Holy Spirit as a teacher, but we're supposed to do some learning. Right? Um, so one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite prayers in the Bible is in Colossians. And Colossians, uh, the first chapter is around verse 9 or 10. And Paul is talking about his prayer for the, for the Colossian people. And one thing he says, that they should be increasing in their knowledge of God. To increase in their knowledge of God. Now, God is infinite. We have a God who spoke and light was created. Right? Who spoke and the stars were created. The Bible says he knows the names of all the stars. We don't even know how many they are. This is an amazingly infinite, wondrous, magnificent God who has created us. Yet, we know so little about him. We will never know everything about him. I think why that's one of the reasons it will take eternity in heaven for us to even get a clue. But we should be continually seeking to grow and to learn more and increase in our knowledge of God. And so how do we do that? Well, there is a definite connection between the Holy Spirit and the word of God. In uh, 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, let's see if I can find that. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. And, and Peter's writing, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation or private origin. For prophecy never came by the will of men. And now Paul is most likely talking about the prophecies in the Old Testament, the Old Testament scriptures themselves, that people just didn't make it up. It didn't come by the will of men. But he goes on. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So we see that it's the Holy Spirit that spoke through people that gave us this book. So it's like the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is the author. Now, God is the author, but he uses the Holy Spirit to speak to men and put it on paper. So what better help to have in understanding a book than the help from the author himself? Now, in, uh, in John 6, verse 63, and this is a familiar verse, you probably know it, Jesus said, it is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
So the words that Jesus speaks to us are, are in, in this book. No, and I, uh, I was talking to a, a lady who came to the office seeking some benevolence here a couple of weeks ago. And I asked her, well, how's your relationship with God doing? And, and she said, well, I, I pray a lot. I pray all the time. And I said, well, do you read your Bible? And she says, well, no, I'm not reading my Bible. And you know, we pray. That's good. We need to pray. That's us talking to God. But if we want to hear something, he gave us a book. Well, he gave us a book, and we need to be faithful and diligent students of the book. You see, one won't work without the other, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I mean, just the Word of God, the Bible, it's ink on paper. It's nothing without the Spirit of God. And many of you probably known that, that before you actually had a relationship with Jesus Christ, you read this and read this and said, I don't get it, right? And even sometimes now you may read it and don't get it. But as we, when we come to know God, and grow closer to him and seek the Holy Spirit's help as we study this book. Then God opens it up to us, and it is, it is so amazing. So I'll share a little bit about uh, what happened to me in relation in, into this book. I uh, turned my life over to the Lord, uh, oh, many years ago, 1971, in March. Uh, I just walked away from my life, and I... I just decided to follow Jesus, and, and, and um, my, life, my life changed. And I was with a group of people that were, were very serious about studying the Bible, about scripture memorization, and then about going out in the streets and sharing it. But as the years went by, some of this passion I had for God's word cooled off. And I was still, I was still attending church. I was teaching Sunday school. Uh, I was teaching the word to my kids. I was reading the Bible a bit every day. But I'd kind of lost that passion, and I don't think I was growing. I, I, you know, like the little boy, I'd fallen asleep. And I guess this was 12, 15 years ago. I, uh, I had a job that required a lot of driving. And I was listening to the radio, and I found this radio station, CSN. Now, I know some of you know of that Calvary Satellite Network. At that time, it was broadcasting out of Fredericksburg. Unfortunately, we don't have one in our area now. But it was Calvary Chapel pastors teaching the Word of God. And I'd never heard the Word of God taught like that before, where they'd go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Bible. It took me a few weeks listening before I realized, this is their Sunday service. See, the church I'd come out of, we, had, well, we went through the purpose-driven life. We went through the prayer of Jabez. And we were doing the five love languages. Now, I'm not saying whether these books are good or not, but we were not teaching the Bible. And... And just from listening to these teachers teach, well, I got on the Internet, found their website. I was listening to, to Chuck Smith every day, some of the other pastors that you know. And, and I started growing. I started developing a, a, more, a greater passion for God's word. That grew into a, a greater passion to want to serve the Lord, which grew into wanting to witness. And, and it's, just, um, it's just amazing the change that this book can, can make in your life. Now, if we talk about witnessing a little bit, you guys know that's my passion. You see, when Jesus met Peter and James and John and Andrew there at the Sea of Galilee, he didn't say, come, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say that to them. He said, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. It wasn't until three years later that he told them, 
to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They had been trained. He had made them to become fishers of men. And, and I think sometimes the reason we're so hesitant to, to step out of our comfort zone and share the gospel is because maybe we haven't got the training through the Holy Spirit, through this word, in that area of our lives. Plus, we, we, we rarely see it modeled. So we end up like, we're like at the beach with the little kids playing in the puddles, you know, when we're adults, instead of deep sea fishing. So, so as we, you know, we just have to cry out to God, get in this book, and ask him to, to teach us, and, and not be satisfied where we are. Now he goes on here, he says in verse 26, he says, uh, that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Now he's talking right there to those disciples whom we know wrote this book. So it's good that they had that Holy Spirit once again to bring things to their remembrance. Because I can't remember much from one day to the next what happened. But the Holy Spirit is bringing all things to their remembrance. And this applies to us as well. That, and he's not talking about when you lose your car keys. Right? That, that you lost your car keys. And you know, I guess the Holy Spirit does help me when I lose stuff. Because if, if Diane can't find it, I have to pray. And, and quite often... God will help me find it. So, so maybe the Holy Spirit does, but I don't think that's what he's talking about here. But uh, I was, uh, last Saturday morning, uh, me and a couple of the teens, we went to Lee Park in downtown Charlottesville. There was a festival, of the cult- a festival, Charlottesville Festival of Cultures. And they had people that live in this area who are from like 12 different countries. They had booths, they had exhibits, they had dances, they had food. And we thought, well, this is a great opportunity. We can go down. And, and witness to people from all around the world right in Charlottesville. And we, uh, I dug through our boxes. We found gospel tracts in 15 different languages. And the three of us, in, uh, we, got, we got poured on and got soaking wet down there. But the three of us, before it rained, or before it rained too much, we actually got to talk to and share the gospel and the love of God with folks from six different countries. I was talking to this one fellow, uh, an American, a little, uh, he's a little older than me, and I found out that he had been uh, like a mechanic on Hueys in Vietnam. And I flew Hueys in Vietnam, so we had a place to start talking. And, and then I, I, I tried to change this topic to spiritual things and found out that he is not a believer. He really knew nothing about the Lord. And so I start sharing scripture with him. Now, he probably didn't know it was scripture, but uh, I was just talking. And three or four verses just kind of strung together. And I'm going, oh, this is pretty cool. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was bringing these verses to my remembrance, but I had to know them in the first place, right? It's not like when the Holy Spirit teaches us, he just gives, doesn't give us some kind of brain infusion. You know, now you've got it. We know we have, we have to work at it. We have to do our part. Now, um, you folks know Todd Gizak. And he is one of our elders. He's, he's taught up here before. He has, uh, he's a youth leader. And he's Bible study. And, and, and very often, when there's a question come up in class, or, or often when we're praying, we can hear pages turning in the Bible. You know? And it's Todd. And, and God, the Holy Spirit, he leads Todd to these verses. And they're always spot on. And... And this doesn't, it's not like Todd never opened his Bible before then. You know, this comes from years of study of the Bible. 
So, we have to do our part. We need to study, memorize, and pray, right? Now, they tell me there's a good university here in, in Charlottesville, right? University of Virginia. And you can learn all kinds of things there. But you won't learn nothing unless you go there. And I actually went there years ago. I didn't learn anything. But, you know, I found that you have to study. <laughs> no? So we, we have to do our part. Wasted a lot of my daddy's money. So the same with this book. We have to do our part. We have to do our part. Now, you know, if there's areas in your life you feel need work on, like, uh, you can ask my poor wife. I still have trouble with saying things I shouldn't say, but when we got married, it was awful. So I memorized lots of verses. You know, like a fool utters all his mind, but a wise man holds it in till later, right? Uh, I, I, know, I probably know 20 verses on that, and that helped me. It helped me to change, because when you say something stupid, you got this verse whacking you in the face. And, and I like to sleep in in the morning. So I, I learned all these verses on lethargy. As the door turns upon his hinges, so does the slothful man upon his bed. Right? <laughs> These things are there. If there are areas in your life you know, work on, get to them. Maybe, maybe you need help with your marriage. Maybe you're struggling there. How many verses have you memorized? Right? Um, food. Maybe you eat too much or eat the wrong stuff. Oh, I just don't have any willpower. Well, the Holy Spirit will help you. But you've got to, maybe you need to write out some verses and stick it on the refrigerator. You know? Uh, witnessing, TV, if you watch too much TV, maybe you're watching more TV, spending more time watching TV than reading your Bible. Maybe you need to make a poster and stick it on the TV. You know? so, so the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, can help us grow and teach us. But we have to apply ourselves. In, in verse 27, uh, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Now, that's an amazing piece. I think one of the biggest changes in my life when I gave my life to the Lord was the peace I had in my heart. If you had met me before that, you wouldn't think, oh, this is a troubled guy, but I was. You know, I was secure as far as money and friends and all these things go. But there was, a, there was just a lack of peace in my heart. I was confused. I felt like I was walking in darkness and not know which way to turn. But God gave me that peace. And one of my favorite verses, I always share it in witnessing, is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, how about for us? You know, we are saved. Uh, most of us here, we know the Lord. Is, are our hearts always peaceful? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So once, like... like the Holy Spirit teaching us, the Holy Spirit just doesn't drop peace out of heaven. Well, maybe I take that back. Sometimes it does happen. You're in a situation, and you know, it's just, it's, it's there. And, and I can't say this is the only way the Holy Spirit works. But I know in, in my case, it's, it's not there all the time. Now, we know how the world gives peace. When you, everything is secure, you've got a job, you've got an education, the kids are lined up, uh, and, but what happens when that falls apart? Well, there's counseling, there's therapy, there's, there's drugs, uh, good drugs, bad drugs. Um, there's uh, many people turn to alcohol. Some people just seeking peace or even commit suicide. So that's not what he's talking about. And we, you know, we're not talking about world peace here because the scriptures promised us, 
Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. Right? We're promised persecution. We, we will not have peace outside. He's talking about this peace in our hearts. So when everything is going good, right? The, the, the bills are caught up, money's in the bank, you're getting along with your wife, the kids are behaving, we can have a peace. And that's a form of peace. But what happens when that falls apart? What happens when the husband or wife leaves you? There's a sudden death. You know, your, your, your little girl is, is abused sexually by a relative. When your heart is just torn out of you, what happens then? What happens if you are a Christian living in Nigeria and your 16-year-old girl has been, has been kidnapped by some Muslim madman? You know, you don't see this in the news. I don't know if you know, but, but most of those girls that were kidnapped were Christians. Yet, yet what, what, how do you have peace then? You know, when, when you're, just, you're just ripped apart. Um, I'm going to uh, share a little testimony with you about our family. And uh, Anna has, has given me permission to share this. So Anna, our daughter Anna, she's our ninth child, third daughter. When she was a year and a half, she got meningitis. And she was just learning to walk. And, I mean, she was walking pretty good. She was learning to talk. And, and she got very sick. The doctor we were going to took him a while to figure out what it was. By the time we got to the hospital, she was very, very sick. She was a dying little girl. And um, meningitis, encephalitis, uh, hydrocephalus, epilepsy. She was having seizures. We were in the hospital three months. And every time we'd pray for her, we'd get the elders of the church and pray. She'd get worse. And and we were in Japan at that time in a Japanese hospital. Diane would stay with her in the day. I'd, go with her. I'd be with her at night. I'd stay with her all night because then you needed somebody from the family there. So I just remember holding this little girl, you know, and, and thinking, you know, how hard the suffering that she's having. And, and the, the things we're going through, but it's more about her. And, you know, the questions that come up, there was a lack of peace. And, and we, had, we had encouragement for others. We were praying. We were in the Word. But the thing that kept me going was Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So I would say, Lord, your word says all things work together for good. This is not good. How is this going to work together for good? Why are you doing this? But Lord, your word says all things work together for good. And I got a peace from that. This wasn't a a walk in the park on a spring morning with your sweetheart kind of peace. This was a peace that was under attack. You know, the doubts, the discouragements, all these things banging against it, but it was a peace. It was an assurance. And it came from this book, the Holy Spirit working through these words that all things would work together for good. Three months later, she, she got out of the hospital. Uh, a very severe brain injury. She was, for a while, she was blind. She had cerebral palsy. Uh, still having the seizures, the doctor said, well, we don't know if she'll ever be able to walk or talk or, or take care of herself. Well, just as a testimony, you guys know most of you. If, you. if you don't know who Anna is, she was the young lady that was standing up here singing this morning, right? So God has done many, many, many miracles in her life. But Anna still struggles. And, and because of this brain injury, uh, her brain just doesn't always cooperate with her. I, I don't quite know what the medical term for that is, but she often misunderstands things. She gets confused. 
Uh, she gets very frustrated. She has big battles with anxiety. And, you know, she gets the Holy Spirit ministers to her through, through her own prayers, through the prayers of, of many folks in here. And she has prayer partners. When she's having a hard time, there's a, quite a few of, of you folks that she'll call on the phone and you'll pray for her. So the Holy Spirit ministers to her this way, to give her peace. But she also, and I think this is the main thing, despite that brain injury, she has memorized hundreds and hundreds of verses. So we don't have any excuse. And, and, and she, she writes them down on cards, and she, she'd loan me some of her cards. And she carries these around with her. And uh, this one, the title is Relax. Uh, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 37, right? Now, she's memorized most of these, but she carries them around. And when she gets in these crisis situations, she pulls these things out. And there's power in the word. When she's at home, when she's at home, she'll often, she'll take her Bible, she'll take her journal, she'll go in the bedroom, lock the door, and we won't see her for a couple hours. But when she comes out, she's smiling. And, and is that a miracle? That's a miracle. That the word of God, it, it, and it's, it's from the word of God, right? And, and you know, and it's taken us 20 years to see God fulfill Romans 8.28 in her life. You know? And, and you, many of you folks know. So when she's going through these hard, hard times, what happens? God gives her songs. She's written a bunch of songs, maybe a dozen songs. And she's shared many of them with you. You'll probably hear some more. She shared one last Wednesday night. And people come up to me. They come up to her and said, your song really helped me. Did you record that? Can I have the words? And as many of you, she sends out little cards and notes of encouragement. She encourages others, and she's part of uh, a, uh, the High Street Clubhouse in Charlottesville that's, that's for folks with brain injury. And she says, Dad, God's made me a missionary to those people. She says, you don't understand people with brain injury. And she's right. She says, but I do. So God, so you see how all things work together for good? Isn't that amazing? Now, maybe your problem, that too works together for good. Maybe the struggle you're having, you've been 20 years and you haven't seen it work together for good. You may not see it in this lifetime, but that promise. You see, that promise means more to me now than it did because I've seen it fulfilled. Um, So we see this, verse 26 and 27, where the Holy Spirit's talking about teaching us, learning the peace, how it, it all works together, whether through the Word, the Holy Spirit, he ministers to us through the Word, through others, through prayer. And, um, well, let's continue on here. We've got to... The end of 27. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. Now remember, the, they, were, they were troubled. The disciples were troubled and worried about Jesus leaving and about him coming back. And, you know, the disciples didn't always get it, right? So he says... I'm leaving. They're getting that part. The comeback part they're not getting. And if you remember when he told them over and over again he was going to be killed, and he was killed, and he just, they just all fall apart, right? They're hiding, they're cowering, they, 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 they're, you know, they're really afraid. Three days later he raises from the dead. Wow! Right? There's, they are, there is, it's a difference. They, they see it. And the hope we have 
is that Jesus is coming back for us. I am coming again to you. He said, if you love me, you rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father, and my Father is greater than I. The hope we have as Christians is not all in this life. No matter how dark the tunnel, no matter how bad the pain, no matter how hard the heartache, there is a light at the end of that tunnel, and that light is Jesus Christ. And when he comes back, there are some amazing promises, right? We're going to get new bodies. You're not going to have to deal with pain. No more sorrow, no more death, no more crying, right? This, this is the hope we have as Christians. And it, it is a, a big thing. But sometimes, you know, when we get up in the morning, we have the battles, we know the day is going to be rough, it's just hard to put that foot on the floor. We're not thinking much about Jesus returning, are we? No. We get so focused on the things that are going on around us. And I think we just need to pray and say, Lord, help us keep that vision. And that's why staying in the word and staying in prayer, staying in fellowship you know, will help us. It will keep us from, from, from falling apart. <clears throat> 29. Oh. Let me go back to 28 here. He's telling disciples that they should rejoice. And it's pretty neat. Jesus said, unless I go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. Now, I don't know the mechanics of this. But when Jesus was here on earth, he was limited to just a few people and talking. I mean, he, he was God in the flesh, but he was limited to a physical body. But when he goes away, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit does not have those limitations. So where Jesus could only teach a handful or maybe, maybe preach to a few thousand at a time. The Holy Spirit is in the heart and life of every believer. He can teach us. He uses us to, to minister to others. And the book, you know, these are things we would not have if Jesus hasn't gone away, and we can rejoice because of that. But I, I just, you know, I can't get over that God gave us a book. The what if we didn't have this book? You know, we'd have all kinds of, of things. Even with the book, we still you know, don't get it all right all the time. But that God, in his infinite wisdom, gave us a book. This book has been translated in hundreds of languages. It's in, it's in hundreds of countries around the world. People depend upon it. And it's so good that we have it. Um, you know, there's so many reasons why we can trust this book, the, archaeological evidence, the historical evidence. There's been no historical archaeological evidence that's ever disproved anything in here. The fulfilled prophecies are amazing. There's evidence that, no, we can trust this book. God gave us this book. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through this book. 29. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. And I mentioned that when the disciples see Jesus raised from the dead, oh, we believe. They got it. You know, remember, remember Thomas? He said, oh, not me. I, know, I don't believe that stuff unless I took my fingers and the nails in his hands. And, and Jesus appeared to him. He believed. And Jesus said, how blessed are those. He said, blessed are you, Thomas, who have, because you have seen and believed. But how blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So many times God asks us, particularly when we come to him, to take a step of faith without seeing. But you know, once we take that step of faith, we start to see. And how many times, I mean, I'm sure 
all of you here would have stories, would have testimonies of things that God did in your life. Uh, verses that he answered, prayers that he answered. And this increases our, belief, increases our faith. In the Psalms, uh, the psalmist David is always saying things like, remember when we crossed the Red Sea, remember when God fed us in the wilderness. Sometimes we forget these things, and this is another thing the Holy Spirit can bring to our remembrance, all the things God has done in the past. You know, like we, we, we can't pay the bills this month, and oh, what are we going to do? Well, we forget that this happened maybe a dozen times before, and God took care of us. And so when we see these things come to pass, we can believe. Verse 30. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. So the ruler of this world we know is Satan. We know that, that at this time, Judas is conspiring with the religious leaders, and they're getting their, their soldiers together to come and arrest Jesus. He doesn't have much longer to talk with them. He knows he's leaving. He really pours into them, and, and thank the Lord, John wrote this down, because we don't have this in the other Gospels. But he says, he has nothing in me. There was no sin in Jesus' heart that the devil could get a hold of and work. You know? And you know that the enemy can use that in our hearts. We cannot say that there's no sin in our hearts. And, and you know, of course, we're all going to sin, right? We, we, we're not perfect. We're always going to blow it. But as Christians, we should not be jumping into sin. You know, we should be stumbling into sin, right? So when you're, when you, if you are a child of God and you're living a sinful lifestyle, you're giving a place in your heart that Satan can work on. And, and, you know, it can cause all kinds of troubles. But Jesus said, he has nothing in me. You see, Jesus and Satan were not brothers, as, as some false teachers teach, right? There was nothing, no power over him. And, and you know, Jesus went willingly to the cross. Let's look at this next verse. 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise and let us go from here. The world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. We read uh, earlier in John 14 that Jesus said, if you have my commandments and keep them, you're loving me. You know, he who loves me keeps my commandments. So Jesus is obeying God's commandment. And the world can see that Jesus that, that uh, Jesus loved God. You know, this wasn't some kind of freak accident that Jesus was crucified. It wasn't like God thought, okay, I'm going to send my son down there. He's going to do good and, and, and heal people and do all this stuff. But then, oh, no, he's getting crucified. We didn't see that coming. Oh, but I know what I can do. I can raise him from the dead. It's not like that at all. You know, this was planned from the foundation of the earth. The Bible says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the earth. Jesus knew when he came down here what was going to happen to him. And, and, and he went ahead and did it because he loved the Father. But he also did it because he loved us. He also did it because he loved us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Nick, you want to bring the praise team back up here? I've got a few more verses to share with you. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us 
in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When bad things happen, you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, God, you don't love me. But that's not true. We just talked about Romans 8.28. God lets things happen to work good. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That proves the love of God right there. 1 John 3.16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's all about the cross. It's all about the cross. While we sing the last song, if you know, you pray in your seats. If you want to come down here and, and pray, you're welcome to. Um, I'll be down here. I think Joe and Joanne will be down here. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you've never knelt at the cross and turned from your sins and trusted him, this is the day. This is the day. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. His yoke, you know the yoke like the oxen wear, they pull the cart, they, they pull the plow. This, when you put a yoke on, you're becoming the servant and the guy holding the reins and, and coming to Christ for this rest. You've got to give him control, not just your Savior, but the Lord of your life. You're turning control of your life over to Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.